Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. The nominations for this year's Academy Awards have been announced. Today, we're here to discuss the nominees in each of the top eight above-the-line categories. What I'm going to be doing is go through them one by one, reading out all the nominees, give my thoughts, and share some interesting insights about them. From screenplay to acting to directing to the biggest one of all, Best Picture. So let's get started, shall we? For Best Original Screenplay, the nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. First, let me say that this is one of a few categories where I 100% correctly predicted all the nominees. Promising Young Woman and The Trial of the Chicago 7 were the only two that got in at all the major precursors, BAFTA, Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, and WGA, so they were both pretty much locks. Minari may have only gotten in at Critics' Choice and was not eligible at WGA, but with all the momentum that movie has been building in the awards conversation, I felt it was looking strong in this category. For a lot of people, they thought that the fifth slot was between Judas and the Black Messiah, and Sound of Metal, but I actually predicted that they were both going to get in. The former movie has also been gaining a ton of momentum in the awards conversation, likely due to it being a recent release from last month. Meanwhile, the latter movie appeared to have been at least holding steady. I must admit, the absence of Mank doesn't surprise me too much, even though I should have been predicting it to get in given that it was originally written by David Fincher's late father Jack Fincher back in the late 1990s, a movie about a screenwriter, and nominated at all the major precursors with the exception of WGA where it wasn't eligible, I also knew it was vulnerable. Mank has constantly been seen more as a directorial achievement than a writing achievement, plus there are people who felt that the script wasn't one of that movie's strongest suits. As for what I think of this slate of nominees overall, I think it's very solid. Promising Young Woman and The Trial of the Chicago 7 in particular are, in my opinion, both more than deserving of the recognition here. As for Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, and Sound of Metal, they're all movies I may not be as enthusiastic about, but I did like and respect each of them, so I have no problems with either of them being nominated here. For Best Adapted Screenplay, the nominees are Borat, Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. In this category, I only got about 4 out of 5 correct. The Father and Nomadland both got in at all the major precursors, with the exception of WGA, given that neither of them were eligible there, so they were both pretty much locks. One Night in Miami may have only gotten in at Critics' Choice and WGA, but it was at least looking solid in this category, with The White Tiger gaining traction in this category at both industry groups, WGA and BAFTA, I started to get a feeling that it was going to sneak in at the Oscars as a lone screenplay nominee. Though the biggest surprise among the inclusions was Borat's subsequent movie film. While it shouldn't have been that surprising given that the first Borat did receive a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination back in 2006, coupled with the fact that the sequel got in at WGA, I assumed the latter was mainly due to the absences of The Father and Snowmadland. Yet, its Writers Guild nomination proved to be no fluke at all. 
In fact, as nominations in this category were being announced in alphabetical order, Borat's subsequent movie film came first, then The Father, and then when it got to Nomadland, I immediately noticed that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom missed. That was a film that managed to get adapted screenplay nominations at Critics' Choice and WGA, the latter of which was more important due to it being an industry award. When Marini's snub happened in this category, I did start to wonder how that movie was going to end up doing an Oscar nominations overall, which we'll discuss a little more later. As for what I think of this slate of nominees overall, I've only seen four of them. As I've previously stated in a couple other episodes, I have not seen Borat's subsequent movie film, which is partially due to me not having seen the first Borat. But from what I have seen, I think it's a pretty good list. The Father and Snowman Land, I may not be super passionate about any of them, but I still quite liked and respected both of them. One Night in Miami and The White Tiger, I personally thought both of them were good, but not great. Though overall, I have no problems with any of the movies that I've seen being nominated here. For Best Supporting Actress, the nominees are Maria Bakalova, Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman, The Father, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Ya Jun Yun, Minari. In this category, I only got about 4 out of 5 correct. Maria Bakalova was the only one that managed to get nominated at all the major precursors. However, I for the longest time doubted that she was going to be Oscar nominated due to the Academy's long bias against full-fledged comedy performances. Though what convinced me to predict her to get in was that one of my Facebook friends happens to know someone who is well-connected with the industry. They told him that Maria's the most buzzed performance there and that they don't view it as an average silly comedy. Seeing how I underestimated her for nominations at SAG and BAFTA, I figured it would be a better idea for me to predict an Oscar nod for her and get that wrong as opposed to the other way around. Glenn Close and Olivia Colman both managed to get in at Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, and SAG, so while both of them didn't appear to be 100% locked for the Oscars, I thought it still seems like a safe bet to predict them. Same goes for Yu Jun Yoon, who got in at BAFTA, Critics' Choice, and a sag. As for the fifth slot, I had assumed that Jodie Foster's surprise Golden Globe win for the Mauritanian would elevate her to an Oscar nod, but it didn't. In fact, she's become the first Best Supporting Actress winner from the Hollywood Foreign Press since Catherine Ross for Voyage of the Damned back in 1976 to not go on to receive a nomination from the Academy. Instead, the fifth slot went to Amanda Seyfried for Mank, which thank goodness it did. Early on, people were thinking she could win this race, yet after getting nominated at Critics' Choice and Golden Globes, she very surprisingly did not receive a SAG nomination. For a while, I did wonder if she was in a similar position Andrew Garfield was in for another David Fincher movie, The Social Network, 10 years ago, where everyone thought they were good for a supporting nomination early on, but their absence at SAG suggested that they were going to be snubbed at the Oscars. Seyfried's SAG snub was especially mysterious given that those awards are mostly voted on by actors and she was playing a real-life actress Marion Davies. While I knew it wasn't impossible for her to still get in at the Oscars, I did wonder if Academy members were going to feel, I think I'm gonna wait and see what more prestigious projects she ends up doing before I start taking her seriously. After all, Amanda Seyfried isn't necessarily known for taking on prestigious projects, with a few anomalies here and there, such as 2012's Les Miserables 
and 2018's First Reformed. But overall, of the nominees that I have seen, Maria Bakalova being the exception right now, I love all the performances and I'm very glad that they've been nominated. For Best Supporting Actor, the nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, Paul Racy, Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. In this category, I only got about 4 out of 5 correct. Daniel Kaluuya and Leslie Odom Jr. were the only two who had gotten nominated by all the major precursors, so they were both pretty much locked. Sasha Baron Cohen may have only gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but he still looked pretty strong for a nomination. In fact, I should point out that with his additional bid for Best Adapted Screenplay for Borat's subsequent movie film, he is now the second person I can think of who managed to receive multiple Oscar nominations for two separate movies in the same year, in more categories than just acting. This was something I know George Clooney accomplished twice before. In 2005, he received two bids for writing and directing Good Night and Good Luck, as well as a Best Supporting Actor win for Syriana. In 2011, he was nominated for Best Actor for The Descendants and Best Adapted Screenplay for The Ides of March. Paul Racy may have only gotten in at BAFTA and Critics' Choice for Sound of Metal, but with the way that movie has been holding steady in the race, I had a feeling that he was going to get in at the Oscars as a coattail nomination for the film itself. Plus, he does have a narrative of being this under-the-radar journeyman actor who's been working for decades, but is only now finally getting the recognition people felt he has deserved all along. Though the fifth slot in this category really appeared to have been up for grabs. People are thinking Chadwick Boseman could receive an additional posthumous bid here for The Five Bloods, but I figured with the way that film has been underperforming this season, coupled with his guaranteed spot in Best Actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I didn't think that was going to happen. People were worried that Jared Leto's Golden Globe and especially SAG nominations for The Little Things were going to translate to an Oscar nod, which I'm glad that didn't happen because I found both his performance and the movie to be very forgettable. I ended up predicting Alan Kim for Minari given his surprise BAFTA nomination in this category coupled with his adorable acceptance speech when he won Best Young Actor-Actress at the Critics' Choice Awards. Plus, with the momentum that movie has been building in the awards conversation, I had a feeling that he was going to sneak in as a coattail nomination, yet as Best Supporting Actor nominations were being revealed in alphabetical order, and after Paul Racy was announced, I briefly wondered if David Strathairn was going to be next as a surprise coattail nomination for Nomadland. However, it ended up going to Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah, which was definitely surprising for two reasons. One, he hadn't gained any traction at any of the major precursors beforehand, and two, Warner Brothers had campaigned him for Best Lead Actor, though this isn't the first time that the Actors Branch of the Academy ended up disagreeing with where a studio was campaigning a certain performance. In 2003, 13-year-old at the time Keisha Castle-Hughes was campaigned as a supporting actress for her role in Whale Rider, was nominated in that category at SAG, but the Academy ended up nominating her as lead. In 2008, Kate Winslet was campaigning for two different movies, lead for Revolutionary Road and supporting for The Reader, yet the Academy only ended up nominating and eventually awarding her lead for the latter movie. So with Lakeith showing up here, that means both him and Daniel Kaluuya, the two stars of Judas and the Black Messiah, are Oscar-nominated 
for Best Supporting Actor. But overall, I do like all the performances nominated in this category, and I have nothing to complain about. In fact, this is now the fourth year in a row where a performer managed to get two separate Oscar nominations for the same movie in the same year for acting and songwriting. In 2017, Mary J. Blige received a Best Supporting Actress nomination for her performance in Mudbound, which also earned her a bid for Best Original Song for Mighty River. In 2018, Lady Gaga received a Best Actress nod for her performance in *The Star Is Born*, which also gave her a win for Best Original Song for *Shallow*. Last year, Cynthia Erivo received a Best Actress nomination for her performance in *Harriet*, which also earned her a bid for Best Original Song for *Stand Up*. This year, it's Leslie Odom Jr. who not only has a Best Supporting Actor nod for his performance in *One Night in Miami*, but also a bid for Best Original Song for *Speak Now*. For Best Actress, the nominees are Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's *Black Bottom*, Andra Day, *The United States vs. Billie Holiday*. Vanessa Kirby, *Pieces of a Woman*, Frances McDormand, *Nomadland*, and Carey Mulligan, *Promising Young Woman*. In this category, I only got about four out of five correct. Frances McDormand had gotten nominated by all the major precursors, so she was pretty much locked. Viola Davis and Carey Mulligan may have both gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but they still looked pretty strong for nominations here. Andra Day may have only gotten in at Critics' Choice and Golden Globes, but I agree with everyone that her surprise win at the latter group was going to elevate her chances of getting Oscar nominated considerably. Though Vanessa Kirby was in a very interesting position, despite having received nominations from all the major precursors for *Pieces of a Woman*, she was often the lone representation for her film. Not only that, but the movie itself has not been considered to be an easy watch for people, given its subject matter of. A woman dealing with the loss of her child after giving birth. Plus, there was the factor that one of her co-stars was Shia LaBeouf, who has been in quite a bit of trouble due to recent allegations of sexual assault. So I wondered if Vanessa Kirby was going to be this year's victim of getting in at every major precursor yet snubbed by the Academy. Which I actually predicted was going to happen, and that Rosamund Pike was going to sneak in over her for *I Care a Lot*, based off of a recent Golden Globe win for Best Comedy Musical Actress. Yet the five that got nominated were the ones that a majority of people were predicting. Once again, I do like all the performances in this category, especially those of Kirby and Mulligan, and I have nothing to complain about. In fact, this year actually marks the first time since 1972 that two black performers are among the nominees for Best Actress. Back then, they were Diana Ross for *Lady Sings the Blues* and Cicely Tyson for *Sounder*. This year, they are Viola Davis, who was a former colleague of Tyson, and Andra Day, who, like Ross, is a recording artist nominated for playing Billie Holiday. For Best Actor, the nominees are Riz Ahmed, *Sound of Metal*. Chadwick Boseman, Marini's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Stephen Yoon, Minari. In this category, I actually got five out of five correct. I played it safe by predicting the exact same lineup for Best Actor at SAG to repeat here, and I'm glad I did. Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, and Anthony Hopkins had each gotten nominated by every major precursor, so they were all pretty much locks. Gary Oldman may have gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but he still looked pretty strong for a nomination here. Same goes for Stephen Yoon, who only managed to get in at Critics' Choice. 
choice and SAG. I hate to repeat what I've already said in previous categories, but I like all the performances in this category, and I have nothing to complain about. In fact, unlike last year, where Parasite won big, yet no Asian performers from that nor other films were recognized at all, this year, there are two Asian performers nominated for Best Actor alone. You have Riz Ahmed, who is of Pakistani descent, and Steven Yoon, who is Asian American. Though we also do have Yeo Jun Yoon nominated in Best Supporting Actress for Minari. For Best Director, the nominees are Lee Isaac Chung, Minari, Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Woman, David Fincher, Mink, Thomas Vinterberg, Another Round, and Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. In this category, I played it safe by predicting the exact same lineup at DGA to repeat here, and I ended up getting 4 out of 5 correct. Ever since DGA settled on a total of 5 nominees in 1970, there has so far only been 5 instances where they 100% correctly forecasted the exact Best Director lineup at the Oscars. They were in 1977, 1981, 1998, 2005, and 2009. Chloe Zhao is the only nominee this year who managed to get nominated by every major precursor beforehand, so she was pretty much a lock. Emerald Fanon David Fincher both may have gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but they still looked pretty strong for nominations. Same goes for Lee Isaac Chung, who managed to get nominated everywhere but the Golden Globes. As for the fifth slot, many predictors, myself included, thought it was gonna go to Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago 7. He, like Fennell and Fincher, was able to get nominated at all major Best Director precursors, with the exception of BAFTA. However, there was a feeling that he was vulnerable because of as good of a job he did behind the camera on his movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7 has constantly been seen by people as more of a writing achievement than a directing achievement, which was kind of similar to what's happened in recent years with Martin McDonough and Peter Farrelly. The former received directing nominations for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri by every major precursor back in 2017, yet the director's branch of the Academy snubbed him. The latter received directing nominations for Green Book by every major precursor but BAFTA in 2018, and despite his film going on to win Best Picture, the director's branch still snubbed him. Though with that being said, it was hard for predictors to figure out a clear alternative to Aaron Sorkin. Yet, the director's branch pretty much did that for everyone by nominating Thomas Vinterberg for his Danish film, Another Round. In fact, since the number of Best Picture nominees expanded to more than five in 2009, this is now the third time that a movie managed to get an Oscar nomination for Best Director, but not Best Picture. The first was Foxcatcher in 2014, and the second was Cold War in 2018. As for what I think of this lineup, I haven't seen another round yet, though I am planning to watch it on Hulu sometime soon, but of what I have seen, I think it's a pretty solid list. Emerald Fennell's David Fincher in particular, I think both have done some very top-tier work on their respective movies. As for Lee Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao, I may not be as enthusiastic about their films, but I think they've both done some very admirable work on them. In fact, some very interesting barriers were broken with this Best Director lineup. Prior to this year, only five women have received Oscar nominations in this category, but for the first time ever, two women, Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao, have been nominated for Best Director in the same year. 
Not to mention that Zha is also the first woman of color to have ever been recognized by the director's branch of the Academy. Not only that, but it's also worth noting that prior to this year, about four Asian filmmakers have been Oscar nominated in this category, with Ang Lee being the only one to have been recognized multiple times. Yet for the first time ever, two Asian filmmakers, Lee Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao, have been nominated for Best Director in the same year. For Best Picture, the nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. While this is the last year where nominations in this category are voted on with a sliding scale that can result in a number of Best Picture nominees ranging from 5 to 10, Gold Derby still allows their users to predict a full slate of 10, which I think is a good thing because no matter how many films end up making the cut, it can still let predictors say that they've correctly forecasted all the Best Picture nominees. I actually had the 8 films that did get nominated in my predicted lineup, so I was pretty spot on. Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7 were the only three movies that got nominated at every major Best Picture precursor, such as BAFTA, Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, and PGA beforehand, so they were all definitely locks. Mank may have only gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but it was still looking strong at the Oscars. Same goes for Minari and Sound of Metal, which both only got in at Critics' Choice and PGA. While Judas and the Black Messiah only managed to get a PGA nomination, I figured that with all the momentum that movie has been building in recent weeks, that it was going to make the Oscar lineup. Though with The Father, that movie only received Best Picture nominations from the more international awards groups, BAFTA and Golden Globes. While I was predicting it to get in here at the Oscars, I had it in 10th place thinking that it would receive two acting nominations, adapted screenplay, but just miss out on Best Picture. Yet, as the Academy was announcing their nominations, The Father surprisingly showed up in below-the-line categories like Best Production Design and Best Film Editing. When both of those happened, I started to get a feeling that the movie was going to show up in Best Picture, which it ended up doing so. As for surprising omissions, while I was still Still predicting One Night in Miami to get in, it was definitely in the lower side because of how much momentum that film appeared to have been losing in the awards conversation. Despite it showing up in Best Picture at Critics' Choice and PGA, the movie just hasn't caught on in other categories beyond supporting actors, screenplay, and song. As I alluded to earlier, Marini's Black Bottom snub for Best Adapted Screenplay left me wondering how that film was going to do in nominations overall. In the end, that snub pretty much signified that it was not getting into Best picture. That was a film that, like One Night in Miami, was based on a stage play, featured a cast of mostly black people, received a SAC nomination for Best Ensemble, and got nominated for Best Picture at Critics' Choice and PGA, yet the Motion Picture Academy at large, which still consists of mostly white people, pushed both of them to the wayside. Although Marini's Black Bottom still did pretty well overall, not only did it get into Best Actor and Best Actress, but also Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, and Best Makeup and Hairstyling. It appears to me that of the three stage-to-screen transfers that were major contenders this year, The Father probably felt the most cinematic to a majority of Academy members, and less like a film to play, as some may have qualms with regarding Marini's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami. As for what I think of this lineup, 
I like all the movies in contention here. Mank, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7 in particular, I found each of them to be very top-notch. The other five movies I may not be as enthusiastic about, but I still quite like and respected each of them, so I've got nothing to complain about regarding this pissed picture lineup at all. In fact, for those who'd like to catch up on any of this year's Oscar-nominated films, Leon Matthews has written a piece for Gold Derby about how and where you can be able to watch them through streaming services and or on demand. You can find a link to that in the episode notes. So that's just about does it for my reactions to this year's Oscar nominations. I'll be sure to provide more coverage of the race within the next month leading up to the Academy Awards on Sunday, April 25th. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.